have the privilege to tell you the story of Jesus this morning. Uh, I'm your speaker. You're stuck with me. Um, I wonder, but if you were in, in my shoes, if you were up here, how would you begin uh, the story of Jesus? Um, uh, and I thought of this, and I thought, well, let's look at uh, the four first books of the New Testament. How did the blokes that, that wrote those, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, how did they begin their story of Jesus? And I'll tell you. Well, Mark said, to begin the story of Jesus, you've got to begin with his baptism. Because that's where his public ministry began. That's when he started teaching and preaching and healing and helping. But Matthew, in the way he started, he said, no, no. If you're telling the story of Jesus, you have to go further back. You've got to include some history, Mark. You've got to begin with his birth. Makes sense. And you've got to trace his family history back to Abraham. And Luke came along and said, Matthew, no. If you're doing the history thing, you've got to do it right. You've got to take it all the way back to Adam, the beginning, that first man, and show that Jesus is a descendant of Adam. But then John came along. And John said, guys, you're all wrong. You've got to go back to the very beginning. And the very beginning, he took the words from the, the first words in the Bible, Genesis 1. In the beginning was. And I like to, in my mind, I can see John. I don't know, he's got a big beard. He's got some type of felt tip, feathery pen. And he's writing. And he's stopped at that point. In the beginning was. And he's thinking, he was already there. What, what do I call Jesus? What's his name at this time? Well, what have we called Jesus? Um, when he was born, he was given the name Jesus by Mary, because the angel of the Lord said to do so. And then he got the, the title of Christ when the Jews were promised a Messiah. They said, the Christ, the Messiah will come. So that's when Jesus was, was called the Christ. And he got the name Lord after his resurrection. But what, what does John write here, in the beginning was, before those events have taken place, what was Jesus called? And I can imagine John just kind of pen in hand, and then God says, John. He is the Logos. So our Bibles read this. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Never done a, a, a kind of a, a word study before. It's my first attempt, so bear with me. Logos, L-O-G-O-S. It's the Greek word for word. So you might be familiar, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. But it actually has a richer meaning than just Word. You have to consider uh, the time that John lived in and, uh, and who was around. John was writing in Ephesus and there was a man there called Heraclitus. Heraclitus is one of those, you might see him in statues, curly hair, big beard, he's one of those great... Uh, ancient philosophers and people call him the father of modern science he's interesting because of the way he taught his students he said use your eyes 
to observe what goes on and ask the question and find out the reason why things happen the way they do. So the word for logos, its richer meaning is reason why. Almost every branch of science has that logos or portion of logos in it. If you think of psychology, physiology, zoology, meteorology, each one is a study of how things behave and a quest to find the reason why. So take meteorology. It studies the weather and it asks, why do do clouds form, why do they bubble over and why do they drop rain? And why does the wind come from this way and why does the wind come from that way? We ask the reason why. That's the basis of all science, actually. The reason why, finding it out. It's pretty amazing. John calls Jesus the Logos because here's the reason why. It's the reason why everything behaves the way it does. Here's the reason why. It's the most fitting title. Jesus is the reason. So in the beginning was the reason. And then John wrote these amazing words next. And the reason became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that why we're here today? That Jesus became a a little baby, became a boy, became flesh. And he dwelt among us. He came uh, to this earth. At Christmas... Our kids might say it's all about presents. Where's Corey? The presents we opened this morning. <laughs> there could be a few more, I don't know. Did we open everything? No, no, we didn't. <laughs> some adults would say it's about uh, having some time off, kicking, getting the feet up, having some quality time with family. And us Christians, we interject and we nudge and we say, uh-uh, remember... The reason for the season is Jesus. But Jesus isn't just the reason for this season. And Jesus is the reason for it all. So with that in mind, I wanted to to take three things that we fuss about over Christmas and and maybe encourage you to not fuss so much this year and, and in the future about those three things. Instead, fuss about the reason, the real reason for this season and for life. And I'll have to be quick. Three things to cover. Don't fuss about the day. Fuss about the deity, which is about God, about Jesus. We get swept up in this day, uh, all the preparation for December 25th, all the the weeks of work and and months of thought for December 25th. But is December 25th mentioned in our Bibles? No, it's not. Um, Where did it come from? It's not in my Bible. There's some questions we can ask which challenges the date. And it might challenge challenge our focus on, on the preciousness of that date. Question, how did Mary discover she was going to have a baby? An angel. An angel appeared and said, you'll be be having a baby, conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And there was going to be a, a little sign. What was the sign that this was miraculous and not to be taken as a joke? This is, this is real. Virgin birth, yes. But there was a little, there was another little bit, someone related, that said, take this seriously. I'm not mucking around. Go have, go visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who was considered to be barren in her, in her elderly years, unable to have children. God will stun you, Mary. You're going to have a baby. And Elizabeth, in her old age, is going to have a baby. Mary, uh, she was in her sixth month uh, of being pregnant, the angel said. So from that we can say Jesus was born nine months-ish after, um, after visiting Elizabeth. Mary got that news and ran straight to Elizabeth and saw, yes, there is a baby in there, Elizabeth. And, and the baby slept for joy. How did Zechariah and Elizabeth, the two having a child in their older years, discover they were going to have a baby? It's like Mary. It was another, yeah, exactly, an angelic visit. And Zechariah was told, he had this visit whilst he was on uh, priesthood duty at the temple. He was visited by an angel. He was on priesthood duty. And interestingly, the book of Chronicles has a roster of when these priests visit the temple and are on duty. Zechariah was in the, uh, the group, I can't remember its name, it starts with A, Alijabar, I believe. Well, they served in the temple in June. And six months after June, you arrive at December. And that's when Mary visited and uh, said hello to Elizabeth. And nine months after December, uh, Jesus, roughly, was born. And you arrive at something near September. And so it appears that, kind of like our, our Queen Mary has a birthday, and then a day we all get together and celebrate, well, so does Christ. Christ has a, a birthday... We don't know the exact date. But then he has today when we get together and celebrate it. And I'm, I'm not mentioning this for shock value or, or you, you may be aware of that or, or taking it through yourself. But I've learned a genuine lesson. And that's what I want to share with you. And it's that I can be totally convinced and swept into something and care about something so much like uh, the specificity of... of of December 25th. And I've got chocolate countdown calendars and I've got special activities that I reserve only for this day. But where does the Bible tell me to, to treat this day so specially? And where does, the, where does the Bible tell me to get so distracted by it? It actually doesn't. I get distracted from God's word and from his commands sometimes when I get swept up in how I celebrate Christmas. And a challenge for you is, can that happen to you? Don't let that happen to you. Be swept up in Christ, uh, not so much the going son of Christmas.
I'll just share one more um, thing that I've, I've, I've discovered and learnt. And it's another area that I can be swept up in Christmas. It's the grandeur of, the, of everything. Of the surroundings and the settings and the nativity and the, nativity and, and the beautiful pictures and the symmetry of the, of the shepherds, excuse me, and the wise men and, and Mother Mary and Jesus. It is beautiful. It's fascinating. It's supernatural. Um, and it's, it can be consuming. Uh, all of these pictures cover all of our Christmas cards. But some things occurred to me in my reading. Is that the Bible doesn't mention the word stable. Um, and, and some people um, uh, teach or share that, or, or you see other pictures that it wasn't a stable, it was like this kind of cave structure as well. Um, if you go to Bethlehem today, they'll show you a cave. Um, and in the crypt of this cathedral uh, is where they believe Jesus was born. And they'll also show you a spot on the ground marked with a, protected with a silver cross where they believe that Mary's milk was spilt. And I think it's very objectionable. And not what I should be focusing on. Jesus was born in an inn, but not in a room in an inn. There was no room, but he was still born in an inn. And if you go to the Middle East today and you look at these old inns and some of the structures are still there, we have one up on screen if we could on the... That's called... Yes, that's the one. So you have this big square with, with walls surrounding the outside and you can enter in through that middle gate... And when you enter in and you see, uh, you see the rooms all on the inside walls, in the middle is a space for a trough of water and a manger for hay for food for the animals. And all of this was for, for uh, security in dangerous times. If you were travelling, you could come to an inn like this. You could get inside and be safe first. Then consider where you're going to sleep and stay. The biblical record, show, we, we know from the biblical record there wasn't a room available. And it likely meant Mary and Joseph had to stay at this place or a place like this like many other people have to. That's the picture. Jesus was born under the stars, near a trough, placed in a manger. It's, it's not as... I guess glamorous, as I often picture it. It's quite ordinary. And the lesson I've learnt is that I, I can sometimes focus on things that aren't ordinary. The dull and the ordinary I can, I can leave aside and, and think about the miracles and think about the, the sights and the scenery and the sound and the silent night. But even in my Christian life, I can have this big, grandiose thinking where Jesus and God just, I want you to do big things in my life. I want to be that person healing and teaching and preaching. And, and oh, I long for that. I can't wait till I get there. But this story of Jesus' birth in some areas doesn't get as much attention 
It was ordinary. Don't gloss over the ordinary. It was a plain old, uh, plain old in the trough in a manger. What other ordinary things were in the story of Jesus' birth? Some ordinary things from some ordinary, ordinary people, like Mary, just being a young girl and hearing a word from an angel and simply saying, I'm your servant, I'll obey. And another ordinary person with ordinary actions, Joseph, after um, finding out his, his betrothed, his fiancée, was pregnant. The shock. Charles, not mine. But this ordinary man chose to stay by her side, to love her, to whisk away to where they needed to uh, take that census and to look after her and raise this child, marry her and raise it as if it was his own. He trusted God. I'll finish now with um, some words from Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Where Jesus says, The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things, they can come in and they can choke the word, making it unfruitful. When we focus on, on things that aren't Christ, we can get quickly distracted. So this Christmas, remember that the, the reason for the season is Jesus, but the, just the reason for all is Jesus. Let's not get distracted from that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a special time it is to come and and reflect on the story of Jesus' birth. On the natural parts of it, on the supernatural parts of it, God, it is an amazing story, a plan that you set that ends with this young baby growing up and accepting the sin of the world on his shoulders that we might have the chance, if we trust in him, to have a relationship with you. To bridge the gap between a sinful and broken people and a holy and perfect God. Jesus, thank you for your life. You are unique and wonderful. You are the only one that chose to be born. None of us have. Lord, we thank you for choosing to be born, knowing the painful way. That God, it was for the ultimate outcome that we can have a restored friendship with you. Thank you, God, for that. In your name we pray. Amen.